My son Asher's birthday was this past week, but I can't mention his birthday without mentioning Eliza's birthday because it was also this past week. He turned eight, she turned five. It's been a fun week of snow and birthdays in our house. Now, Asher's birthday reminded me of the time that Abby and I brought him home from the hospital. It was a snowy February day in Indianapolis eight years ago, which tracks if you're keeping, keeping track at home. He'd been in the NICU for a few days, and he had what doctors called a, quote, difficult birth. Ask Abby if he had a difficult birth. But I digress. He had, he had a rough coming into the world, and they were just keeping track of some stuff. We're really grateful that everything turned out okay. He eventually got to come home with us. I went out to warm up the car, and I brought in the car seat, you know, these things that you need to do when it's cold. I pulled the car up front. I went to go get Abby and Asher, our new little family of three. We came down. The snow started falling like this picturesque postcard. We got them all nestled in the warm car with like 22 blankets on top of them. I looked back at the nurse who was helping us, and she smiled and waved and said, take care, and then went back into the hospital, and I panicked. Like, that's it? That's it. I'm now responsible for this human being that's in the back of my car. Is there like a handbook? Do I need to sign something? Do I need to talk to somebody? Are you going to check in on us? I mean, I signed more papers buying my house than I did having a kid. I just freaked out. I mean, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we get there? And finally, Abby was like, we get in the car and we go home. I felt like I was driving through a blizzard. Remember, it was snowing. We're five miles from the house. It was like an inch and a half, maybe, of snow. Maybe not even that. I'd never driven more carefully before or after I did in that moment. I kept looking back in the rearview mirror like something was going to miraculously like come down and pick him up out of our car or something. And I prayed this prayer. I still pray this prayer. Please help me not mess this, mess this up, God. Please, God, help me not mess this up. I still feel like that sometimes. I prayed that prayer today. Parenting seems so difficult and it's so complicated. And there are all these different opinions and blogs and do's and don'ts and comparisons. And I say that prayer, please, God, help me not mess this up because it seems so hard. The fact that it doesn't matter, as a parent, you will or you have felt inadequate at some, at some point. It's just the way it is. There's so much to it. And each family is different, and each child is different, and each situation is different. And I've been told that each stage of parenting is unique. It has its own challenges and joys. I also firmly believe that the most difficult stage of parenting is the one that you're in. And even though I'm sure, I'm sure of it, I've messed up so royally, I'm beginning to understand that maybe, just maybe, the process as a parent is just as important, if not more important, than the results. We do our best, we give it to God, and that's about all we can do. And you might be thinking there, well, I don't have kids. I still think this applies to you because you are a kid to somebody. And at the very least, we have a relationship with God the Father. Now, we're in this series called Life is Complicated, Get It Right. And this series title describes parenting to me. It is complicated, and I so deeply want to get it right. And a big portion of the book of Proverbs, that's what we've been talking to through recently, the big portion of the book of Proverbs has these 10 talks that a father gives to a son. Here's, here's the image that I have in my head. It's like um, a 
dad and a son out on like a fishing pontoon or something, and they're casting out, there's no TV, and it's like this, a laugh track is going, like a sitcom and stuff like that. That's kind of the picture that I have in my head. It's cheesy, yes. Sounds fun right now in the middle of the snow, yes. But dad's talking to his son, and because of this, the book of Proverbs has all of these different things about families, about raising our kids, about relationships, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs and see four ways the book of Proverbs tells us to raise them right. Four ways to raise them right. So here, here they are. The first one's kind of this foundational one, and all the other ones build on that. Number one, way we can, we can raise them right, this is a huge deal. I mean, it is going to blow your mind how amazing this principle is. I mean, you've never heard it. You've never even interacted with it. Am I building it up enough? Are you there yet? Are you there? Here it is. Here it is. Ooh. You're all like, I knew that. Infuriatingly simple. You know, it's like when you call the tech guy or IT or something, they're like, turn it off and turn it back on. The computer's fine. And you're like, oh, no, it's not. And then you do it, and then it works. Foundational principle. Something we all know, something we'd all agree with, and rarely is this something that we think about every day. Love our kids. Love them. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, My child, listen when your father corrects you. Do you do that? Me mm, either. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. This is really just saying, look, your parents love you. We want what's best for our kids. That's kind of the assumption here. We want them to be safe. We want them to have a good life. We want them to have a life that honors Jesus. Why? Because we love them. Now, maybe your mind went the same place that my mind went. Maybe you have a bad relationship with your parent. Or maybe you have a bad relationship with your child. And you might be thinking, look, my dad bailed on me. This isn't accurate. Or, my mom abused me. Or, they won't even return my call. Those are fair things to be thinking. I mean, parents, yeah. Man, parents can mess up. We, as parents, can mess up. And it can be a really bad situation. And I'm really, really genuinely sorry that that's been a part of your journey. But the fact of the matter is that just because mom and dad might have messed up in some way doesn't make this not true double negative, on purpose, this is still true, whether we live this out or not. To raise our kids, we must love them. That's the foundational principle that everything else we're talking about builds on. Now, what are some ways that we can love them? We'll be talking about those here in a second, but I kind of want to talk about the really important concept in this context of love them. Think about in the context of parenting, the most important relationship that you have in the context of parenting. Here it is. The most important relationship in your life is with Jesus. In the context of parenting, actually in the context of everything, but in the context of parenting, the most important relationship in your life is with Jesus. The way that you view Jesus changes everything else. If you don't believe in Jesus, it changes everything else. If you do, it changes everything else. The way you view yourself, the way that you view the world, the way that you view your family, the way that you view your kids. It is the most important relationship in your life. 
What's the second most important relationship? Remember, in the context of parenting, in the context of our kids, what's the second most important relationship? It is with your spouse. The way you treat each other is the foundational way you love your kids. Now, maybe you're thinking, I'm not married. I don't intend to be married to the mom and dad of my kids. You don't know my past. You don't know my history. I still think that this is true. Just change that word. If you have a blended family, yes, this is still incredibly true. The two parents of a child in the context of parenting, these two relationships are the most valuable relationships. Because where do they learn how to have healthy relationships? Not at school, not at church. It's from you and from that relationship. Where do they learn how to argue? Where do they learn how to manage their emotions? Where do they learn how to compromise? Where do they learn how to think of others? Where do they learn how to raise their kids? They learn it from you. So love your kids by taking care of these two relationships. So raise them right. It all starts with love, 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 love. It all starts with love. Here's the second one, show. Here's, here, here it is, show them. You heard, the, you heard the saying, do as I say, not as I do? Malarkey. It's not true. It doesn't work. Believe me, I have tried. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't touch it. Talking to your kids, yes, is of vital importance, but showing them drives the point deeper. Proverbs 23, 26 says it like this. Oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. I have a love-hate relationship with this verse. Here's why. I don't think my kids can say I take delight in following your ways. Man, that's intense to me. It was like a gut punch to me when I read this. Because I'm like, I don't do that. I don't feel that. That's intense. That's pressure. Ah! Here, here's what I mean. The other day, when it snowed, because that could be any day for the last like seven days, but... The other day when it snowed, I was driving home in our kind of swagger wagon van with my son, Asher. We're on a country road. That's where we live. We live on a country road. There's a truck. You know how people have questionable decisions when they're driving in the snow? There's this truck. He did not get over. And he, I mean, it was like the size of a house going down the street. And I had to get over and I got stuck in a ditch. And I was, I was oh man, I was mad. I was mad. And then, you know, you get stuck in a ditch and you have to, you know, okay, can I get out forward and back and forward and back and forward and back? About 22 in, I'm like, I think we're stuck. <laughs> but here, here's the insult to injury, right? We're 10 seconds. And I'm not exaggerating. 10 seconds from my house. I can see it through the windshield. It's like right there. And I'm ticked. And I let out the, oh, sigh, you know, like, oh, and Asher's like, hey, what happened, daddy? And I'm like, well, hey, this truck went down the street and he didn't get over and now we are stuck. I kind of said it just like that, being honest. So I said, oh, again, and I call Abby. I'm like, okay, we've got to figure this out. And we had to get somebody to come get us out of the ditch. That's how stuck in the ditch we were. Now, in the whole scheme of things, nobody got hurt. The van didn't even get hurt. It's not that big of a deal. We were close enough to walk home and be warm while we waited for somebody to help. It's like no harm, no foul, right? But Asher kept walking around the house, letting out these deep sighs. <laughs> oh, that truck, big as a house. You know, I'm like, oh, man. 
I thought I'd handled it okay. He didn't hear the words I said in my head. He just heard the words I said out of my mouth. Thought I, I thought I did okay, but Asher didn't just hear my words. He didn't just hear the sigh. He saw how I reacted. He heard my sigh. He saw the body language. Show them. See, we as parents, I as parents need to remember to show the way I want them to follow, not just tell them. And I have to be honest with you, this broke my heart. Because I heard him. I heard him. Ugh. On just such a little, tiny little thing. I heard him. Love them, but you have to show them the way. What's number three? Number three, discipline them. So some kids are out there like they're cursing my name. They're like, get up! I mean, love them, we're on board. Be a good example, yep. Discipline them, I'm out. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, this is what it says. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Just to pause for a second, you don't have kids, you don't plan on having kids. How does God parent you? He disciplines. Be thinking about that as we talk here in a second. But for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Discipline could be one of the most loving things that we can possibly do for our kids. It's difficult to do. Sometimes we do too little discipline, or sometimes, at least I forget that my kids aren't grown adults with like 401ks and jobs, and they're not paying half the mortgage and stuff. I kind of wish they would, but... To discipline my child well, here's the point of this verse. To discipline my child well, I need to delight in them. That's where it starts. Not with doing what's right, Starts with delight. Do I delight in my kids? Do you delight in your kids? This is how important this is. This is Proverbs 19, 18. This is what it says. Discipline your children while there is hope, otherwise you will ruin their lives. That's intense. Chill. That's a lot. That's sobering. But here's the point here. Look. You need to understand who your child is. You need to love them right where they're at, not for what they can be, not for what they will be. Now, we have those hopes, and we'll talk about them in a second, but we need to start with delighting in who they are right now, where they are, what they think, what they like, what they don't right now. Do you delight in your kids? God delights in you. Do you delight in them and in the moment, it's difficult to think of discipline as a positive thing. You know, it hurts you and your child. But the reality is, discipline today can remove heartache tomorrow. Discipline today can remove heartache tomorrow. If you keep the end result in mind, discipline is a huge deal. Here, here's what I mean. What type of person do you want your child to become? You want them to become a person that owns their mistakes, who's sorry maybe when they hurt others, they forgive, that they want to do better, that they want to be better. Discipline is necessary. That's how that happens. But it's not just discipline in the sense of you're wrong, I'm right, because I said so. It's not that type of discipline. You have to show them the way, and the way you show them the way is 
partly through discipline. So how do we discipline well? I had the same question, and I called the expert. She wouldn't like that, but I called the expert. I called Melanie Klinker, our children's director here, and I said, Melanie, please help me. How do we discipline well? What advice would you give parents? Here's what she said. Give three kind of points. Number one, when you discipline, take a second to cool off. You don't discipline from your anger. You don't discipline from the baggage that you've had. You don't yell. You don't scream. You take a second and you cool off. Ooh, that's good. Number two, communicate with your child. Here's, here's, I, here's what she means. Make sure they understand that discipline is a consequence of their actions, but it's because you love them. You delight in them. You care about who they are becoming. That's why it's a learning experience. So you take a second to cool off, you know, three, two, one, one, two, three, what the heck is bothering me, you know, that type of thing. And then you communicate with your child. You talk to them, not at them, to them. I'm talking to myself right now, actually. And number three, lastly, and this is a huge deal. I think this is applicable to, to adult parents of, of adults, empty nesters, all of that. Forgive your child for when they mess up. Forgive them. It's way different to forgive them for, you know, sharpie on the face than it is for really bad decisions as an adult, isn't it? But to discipline them well, you need to forgive them. The most loving thing you can do, see, discipline doesn't stop when they leave your house. I know you were hoping that it did. But the most loving thing you can do is to make sure that although you're not happy with what they did, that you love them no matter what. You delight in them. You're on their team. You want to help them make it right. You want to help them, show them, love them toward the right decision. You want them to learn from their mistakes. Love them, show them, discipline them. Here's the last one. Four, guide them. At the end of the day as a parent, what do you hope for from your child? And what's your answer? What do you hope for from your child? I mean, we all have that no matter what phase we're in. I hope they sleep through the night. I've prayed that prayer. You know, you hope they make wise choices about when they get their license. You hope they get good grades so they can get into a good college or a good secondary school. You hope they raise their kids, their grandbabies, in, in a good way. We all have those hopes. I have them for my kids too. But early on in raising our kids, we were challenged with a proverb on what it was really our hope, what our hope was really linked into, how to guide them. What does this mean? This is Proverbs 22.6. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. What's the right path? It's the path towards Jesus. This is the guiding principle. This is the best way to love our kids, to direct them onto the path towards Jesus. So I do pray for my kids to be safe and to be grown and to mature and be kind and generous and eventually please Lord Jesus get out of my house. But this really hits the nail on the head. It really does right here. I pray that everything I am doing today and tomorrow and the next day, I can guide them toward a life with Jesus. I don't think that this hope, this responsibility ends when they turn 18 or 24 or whatever and they leave your house. The path towards eternal hope and joy and peace. This is all about, this is all about Jesus. Our parenting is all about Jesus. Our kids loving Jesus, listen, our kids loving Jesus has to start with us loving Jesus. 
Not church, not watch this show, not read this book, not even, hey, you go figure it out on your own. Them loving Jesus starts with us loving Jesus. I want my kids to follow Jesus not because they'll have a good life, though I want that for them. I want my kids to follow Jesus because I want them deeply, desperately to have that life-changing relationship with him. That's my hope. That's what I want. That's what I pray about. When I'm putting my daughter Ainsley, who's not quite two years old, to bed, that's my prayer. And to sleep through the night. But guiding our kids towards Jesus when they're little might look different to when they're adults. Here's what it looks like when they're little. Pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Go to church with them. Talk about spiritual things. Now, if your kids are adults, what can you say? What can you do? You can pray with them. You can talk to them about Jesus. You can read your Bible with them. You can talk to them about spiritual things. It's actually the same. It might sound completely different, but it's actually the same. Guide them towards Jesus. And they might be completely turned off toward that concept, but that doesn't mean that you're not doing your best to love them and to show them and to correct and discipline them and to delight in them and to guide them towards Jesus. And we have something here at the Ridge called a parent dedication. Parent dedication is this public commitment that a parent can make before God. It's something they can do. They can stand up here and in front of all of us and in front of everybody at home and in front of their friends and family, but really in front of God, they're saying, hey, I as a parent, I'm going to put this relationship with Jesus first. I'm going to do my best to to do the things that we're talking about today. See, no one has more influence on the day-to-day of our kids' lives than we do as parents. So Abby and I chose to dedicate all three of our kids. And I, I think it's a great way to put into practice what we talked about today. And these parents who are going to be on the stage throughout the morning are really dedicating themselves. We call it a lot of different things. But they're really dedicating themselves to the things that we talked about. They're saying, look, I am responsible for loving them, for showing them the right path, for disciplining them with love and grace, to guiding them. They're dedicating themselves towards that most important relationship with Jesus. They're dedicating themselves on taking care of that other parent relationship. That's what it looks like to raise them right. My hope, my prayer for each of these families, for all of your families, for my family, is that our kids will surrender their lives to Jesus with everything that they've got. Everything else follows that. Now, Tim Perkins, one of our pastors here at the Ridge, he's going to come up with some of these parents who are accepting this call to be dedicated to raising their kids right, to raising their kids to surrender their lives to Jesus. I'm excited to do this this morning.